Hello, and welcome to the Leaders of B2B podcast. On this show, we bring you interviews with leading executives at today's rapidly growing B2B tech companies. We dissect the stories, strategies, and journey of CEOs, COOs, CMOs, and more as they share their professional journey. Tune in each week for new episodes from today's leaders. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. We help B2B tech companies build and run revenue-generating podcasts. We set you up with weekly interviews with your ideal prospects and strategic partners. You show up and have engaging conversations. We handle everything else. Learn more about launching your podcast at contentallies.com. This episode is brought to you by Ad One Zero, where we do lead to close sales execution for B2B services companies with a technology flair. If you're looking to scale your company from six figures to seven figures of revenue, talk to Ad One Zero. All right. Thank you for coming on the show here, Matt. Super excited to have you here today. Um, for everyone in the audience uh, who doesn't know who you are and what Clean.io is, uh, can you give us maybe the 60-second overview of what it is you guys do to kick us off here? Excellent. Thanks for having me, Jake. I'm excited to be here. Um, so uh, my name is Matt Gillis. I'm the CEO of Clean.io. We are a digital engagement security platform. We protect uh, digital engagements online uh, for um, publishers, platforms, uh, anybody who's making money, trying to monetize uh, their, their eyeballs on their sites. Um, so some of the biggest news providers and entertainment providers and, and those sort of folks, we protect those engagements. Um, obviously, we protect user experiences. So we make sure that folks have uh, tremendous you know, user experiences when you go to any of those sites. And we'll talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, kind of the nitty gritty of what that means. Um, and, uh, and we're also now, uh, we've just launched a product called Clean Cart. Uh, which is a new product that I'm excited to talk to you about, which protects e-commerce websites uh, from the same sort of malicious behaviors. At the end of the day, what it is, is it's malicious JavaScript that's kind of entering these ecosystems and, and doing damage, like doing damage to the user experience and to revenue. And we believe that all these websites, you know, you own your website, gosh, you should be able to control your website. You should be able to control the code that executes on your website. And I think one of the craziest things that I've come to find in, in the time that I've been, been here um, you know, a lot of folks own these websites, don't have the tools they need to control the user experiences and, and protect their revenue and their margins. So that's what we do. We, uh, we give them those tools and uh, it's been an amazing ride. I've been here doing this now for about two years. Our company's about three years old. Uh, we've got about 45 people globally that are, you know, heads down and focused on solving this problem of protecting digital engagements. Nice. I love that. And um, super fascinating world that you're in. And I love the model you guys have. Um, I do want to like, like almost like almost like simplify that down because I know it's like the protecting digital engagements, uh, but like you know, f I guess can you know maybe you give some examples of what that actually looks like so the audience understands. I know you have the blog example of you know the hundred percent off coupon on a site or stuff like that. So can you maybe give an example of, of what that actually means? Yeah, the coolest part about what we do here is that everything is, you know, almost uh, explainable to the layman, right? Because we've all experienced these sort of things. Um, so our, our first business, which we, we call it Clean Ad, uh, it's part of the Clean.io family, but Clean Ad, um, if you think about it, many websites monetize their traffic through ads. And uh, most of the time, those ads are all, you know, good guys. I would say like, you know, big brands that are advertising, whether it's movie releases or cars or, you know, you name it. As you go through a website, you'll, you know, you'll see ads in these placements. Um, 
the problem that we went to solve in, in the in with the clean ad product in, in the ads based ecosystem uh, is this problem called malvertising. Malvertising uh, is a, a combination of uh, malicious advertising. So that's like those two words combined. Uh, and basically, it's bad actors um, who are buying ads on websites with the intent to destroy the user experience or destroy revenue um, and create a, a basically unique one-to-one -one engagement with whomever is on that device. So Jake, I would say like, you know, in that business, if you're scrolling on a website and let's just say you're reading the news and all of a sudden that screen redirects and says, congratulations, Jake, you want an Amazon gift card or uh, hey, Jake, uh, you have 39 viruses on your phone. Click here to uh, remedy the problem. Those sorts of things are malvertising. So that's the problem that we went and solved there. Um, it's been a big problem. Um, I, I come from the digital media ecosystem. Uh, in fact, I was responsible for helping publishers monetize their websites uh, at Verizon Media, uh, AOL, Yahoo, Millennial Media, all these companies. And um, it was one of the biggest problems that I was facing in my, uh, in my job. Uh, and so we went out and we solved that problem. We gave publishers technology to help really protect their user experiences so that when, you know, it costs a lot of money to create content, costs a lot of money to drive eyeballs to your website. Now, once you've done that, God, you better deliver a great user experience. And so that's what our tools do is they protect user experiences from these malicious exploits of these bad actors. And if I understand correctly, that these things are not like someone hacked, you know, the publisher's site, if I understand correctly, this is like, in most cases, it's like a script or some like almost like a virus that's been installed on the user's phone or computer that's basically executing on top of. Is that accurate? Or it's it's actually simpler than that. So um, to take a step back and fill you in on on kind of the ads ecosystem, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's this thing called programmatic uh, media, which means that you can uh, through tools and technology buy impressions online, and generally you can do it on any website. They've made it very open. They've democratized the ability to buy media on websites. So some of the biggest websites on the planet you know, let's just say some of the biggest news providers in the olden days, you know, you would have had to, you know, kind of meet with someone and probably go out for a steak dinner and then they would give you an insertion order and then you would, you know, put their ads on your website. Now it all is done automated and through technology. Uh, and so much so that, you know, you can actually target one-to-one. -one. So I could say like, Hey, listen, I'm looking for males between the ages of, you know, 30 and 50 and so anytime I see those guys, I want to actually deliver an, you know, this ad to them. And so you would maybe fall into that audience. And so they're very explicitly buying, you know, certain, uh, certain impressions. Mm -hmm. um, so in this world, think of that, like now that we've, you know, made the free and open internet, we've democratized the ability for anyone to buy an ad on any website that reaches any user. Now, if I'm a bad guy and I'm living in my parents' basement, and I want to go and conduct one of these exploits, guess what? I have the ability to go and buy anybody's eyeballs. Like I can go and put an ad in front of anybody. Mm -hmm. And so what it is, is it, it, it's these guys, they're buying ads. And then when those ads actually render on the device, that's when they start to do their shady things. So generally speaking, like there are times where like devices are compromised, whether you've got like a rogue Chrome extension or something like that, you know, that's doing malicious things. But in the, in the simplest form, it's just like somebody who's buying ads and they're able to get a, you know, an ad onto your phone and then they know how to trigger it and they know how to do the right things and, you know, conduct the right code. And all of a sudden you're landing on that page that you can't get out of. You can't hit the back button. You can't hit close. If you've ever had this happen, have you ever had it happen to you? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. It's annoying yeah. as hell. Yeah. Right? <laughs> when you're like, 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 or like the X button is like, 
hidden off somewhere and it's like almost transparent and yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and so like they have a whole bunch of different ways that they do it and way they the ways they conduct their activities but yeah it, like it, it because anyone can buy any ad on any page on any website it's it's they've made it really easy for bad actors to you know get access and so yeah you, you don't have to be that sophisticated to do what they're doing um now if you want to evade uh, detection. If you want to, you know, not get caught, that's where these guys have really upped their game. Is uh, you know, like putting defenses in and making sure that, you know, if they think that they're in a scanning lab, that they wouldn't execute their code so they don't get caught. Like they, they're very sophisticated in how they operate. Yeah, and and so your guys' entire tool is basically helping these sites um, defend against this. And I'm, I'm curious. Do most of these publishers, are they aware that this problem is happening? It sounds like when you were in the space, you were aware, but are most, you know, of your guys' clients, how aware are people that this is even happening, that they're losing traffic or they're having these experiences on their site? Yeah. There, I mean, there's a whole bunch of ways that you know you have a problem. Uh, you know, generally speaking, somebody's CEO has the bad thing happen to them and they're like, you know, the CEO comes down on everybody and says like, hey, what's going on on our site? Like why on, you know, XYZ site can, can this actually happen? And so- yeah. Um, usually someone internally has a bad uh, experience, bad user experience. Um, if the problem's bad enough, people will take to Twitter uh, and they'll, they'll flame the brand. So they'll, you know, they'll put a screenshot of what happened and, and they'll like say, honestly, God, like I was just trying to read this story and how could you deliver a shady experience like this? Um, so your users will complain. Um, the most sophisticated folks in the ecosystem, you know, live by their dashboard and by their numbers. And they'll understand that, they'll have very detailed metrics around how they make money. Mm -hmm. And so they'll know that, hey, listen, um, on any given day, our user session length is eight minutes. And uh, over that eight minutes, we would expect to serve, you know, 42 ads per unique user, which equals X amount of money. Mm -hmm. And if you're really paying attention to the dashboards, when you're under attack, all of those user metrics actually get destroyed. And so usually what happens, as you, as you know, because it, you've experienced it, it tends to happen like right away when you go to a website, right? And so, you know, you kind of go to a new website and you're surfing around and then all of a sudden it takes over the screen. So if you would have spent eight minutes there, now you've spent one minute. And so your session time, your session depth, every KPI that that, that site would monetize by, they now know, oh my gosh, we're under attack. And so that's kind of the, you know, the behaviors that we see from uh, the publishers in the industry where they're like, you know, the smart ones, they, they manage by the metrics and they're like, yeah, we had a problem this weekend or we had a problem uh, you know, on this holiday, which is usually when the bad actors kind of conduct their behaviors because their whole goal is to not get caught. So it usually happens, you know, in evenings and weekends or long weekends when someone who's in ad operations isn't sitting in front of their computer, you know, ready to shut off the bad guys. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. And, and so I'm curious, what, like with your solution, is this pure software? Is there software and consulting involved? Like what does this typically look like um, when one of these sites comes and onboards with you? Yeah, I mean, we we love to say that our services set it and forget it, right? Like, I think this problem in the industry, for those that, that work in the industry and are aware of the malvertising problem, mm -hmm. it's a game of cat and mouse, and you're constantly chasing your tail. And there's a bunch of folks before us that have gone to try and solve this problem. And I would say, like, they've they've been okay at it. But at the end of the day, you know, the people that are in ad operations are constantly chasing these things down and having to deal with it. We give our clients, you know, a single line of JavaScript sits in the header of the page, protects the whole page at runtime. We believe that you shouldn't be having to chase your tail and trying to stop this sort of stuff. Uh, we, uh, you know, monitor and prevent at runtime. 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's like, it's a combination of tech and service. Um, but most importantly, I think it's like, it's that single line of JavaScript that should give you that worry free, like, I don't need to pay attention to this anymore. Um, and so we say to folks, you know, our three attributes are simple, smart, and effective. And that's what we think people measure, you know, the success of our service by. Yes. I love that. And so that sounds like amazingly simple from the customer experience side. I'm curious, um, on the back end with something like this, where you're trying to prevent like basically these cyber attacks, like, are you guys just consistently having to like, see like, what's the new attacks popping up? How are people doing this differently? Or what are these new things? Like, what does that look like on your guys' side whenever like you're basically defending against this ever growing, evolving, changing world of cybercrime? Yeah, I would say like, think of, think of us as like an antivirus provider, right? Mm -hmm. So think of us like uh, Norton or Symantec or that sort of thing where, you know, like we sit on the site and we're analyzing code at runtime and making sure that nothing shady is going on, making sure that there are no viruses getting through. Now, these antivirus providers, you know, from time to time will update their virus definitions. We do the same thing, right? So as we detect new behaviors or new ways in which bad actors are trying to exploit users or exploit devices, um, maybe it's like, you know, when iOS 14 came out or whatnot, where like they will find a new zero day and they'll exploit that, or, you know, they'll exploit, uh, you know, certain users and certain behaviors. Like right now they love Facebook traffic. So they love, you know, kind of like that, that embedded Facebook view when someone clicks on a story inside the Facebook browser, just another layer and place for them to hide. They can buy cheap traffic. Um, so yeah, for these guys, the, their whole means is like to arbitrage. They want to buy very cost effectively and they want to get, you know, call it like, you know, for a thousand impressions, let's just say they spend 25 cents, right? They like their whole model is, is can they get someone to engage with that, that ad, that full screen taker that over that they've done. Um, and if they can, they're going to have a bounty. So if maybe it's like they collect your PII, so they'll collect your email address or your name or your address or whatever, because you've offered it up. You want to win that prize. Now, you and I aren't the ones that are usually getting exploited on this thing, but my mom, yeah, my mom's probably clicking on that. So, um, because sometimes they mask it and make it look like it's the wireless carrier. Because they can detect who your carrier is, sometimes they'll make these, these things look like it's coming from T-Mobile, or they'll mm -hmm. make it look like it's coming from Vodafone. Um, and so, you know, like it's, uh, it's the art of deception. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's fun, but yeah. And then obviously like you, like you'd asked, there's a, a deep component of threat research involved, right? Cause we're constantly, you know, I think, uh, we had this when I worked at, uh, at, uh, Oath, uh, which was the combination of AOL and, uh, Yahoo, we had this team called the paranoids, the paranoids were people <laughs> who should, should be paranoid. Right. And, and so I think in, in cybersecurity, you actually have to have a sense of paranoia all the time. You have to constantly believe that you're getting beat and be operating as such. And so that's what we do. We're like, listen, we're constantly reverse engineering things. We're constantly looking at new ways to exploit and be exploited um, and challenging ourselves every day. Yes, I love that. And so one thing I'm just curious, I'm just always curious about like with, yeah, you, so you said like, you know, they try to buy it all. They get spend 25 cents, get a thousand impressions. Like if they click the bound, like what do they do with that information that they're collecting? Like who are they selling that to? Like what is the, I'm just trying to understand like what this market or world always looks like. This cyber crime world is fascinating. It's just obscure to me the more I learn about it. So, you know, think about this, like the affiliate ecosystem, right? Like <laughs> affiliates are getting paid for, you know, driving a, you know, um, a behavior, right? Mm -hmm. And so like, if you can convince someone to install something on their phone, you'll get paid a bounty. You'll get paid a, you know, a CPI, like a cost per install. 
Um, or if you are trying to collect name and email and, and phone number, you're trying to do survey completions. Like an example that we see all the time is, you know, one last week was, um, it looked like it was Verizon, which is the biggest carrier here in the US. Um, for those that are in the US, you know that, obviously. Um, but, uh, and so the branding of this thing was like very Verizon branded. And it was like, hey, take this short survey um, and you'll have a chance to win a, you know, a thousand dollar gift card. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was like a nine question survey. Well, listen, if, if your carrier is Verizon and that looks like it's Verizon kind of stepping in and asking you a few questions, you may actually give you know the survey some credence and actually do it. And so Verizon isn't paying these bad actors. Verizon is paying someone to do surveys of their customers. And someone is taking that bounty of like, hey, if you could get Verizon wireless customers to give you a, you know, a full survey completion, we'll pay you $5 or we'll pay you $10. And it has to be verifiable with a name and an email or a name and a phone number. Boom, there's the bounty. So buy a thousand ads for 25 cents, get just one to complete the survey and give you their PII and you get paid five bucks. And so imagine if you could now do that at scale. And the interesting thing about programmatic media is you can target with laser precision. So yes, you can, if you're looking to get Verizon survey completions, guess what? You can target mobile phone devices. You can target home Wi-Fi. Um, you know, I see it all the time with folks like Comcast or whatever, like the credit card companies, like you name it, everyone's looking to get these survey results. And, uh, you know, it's uh, the internet, you know, God bless it because that's how we get our Bernie Sanders memes. Um, but sometimes people use it for the wrong reasons. It's only intended to be used for the Bernie Sanders memes, I tell you. <laughs> that's obscure. It's, it's just so interesting that like at the back end of that whole thing is actually a big corporation that is doing something legitimate, but someone tapping into that is basically doing something illegitimate as a way to basically collect on those bounties. So it's just interesting to understand how this whole ecosystem works, which is fascinating to hear. And, and listen, some of it is like these, uh, you know, what we've seen lately, like, you know, you know how like everyone talks about the clickbait, like the, uh, the belly fat ads, which were like the belly fat ads were like the, the bottom rung of like, when you have no other ad to serve, serve the <laughs> belly fat ad. And like now, like, listen, some of the things that are happening are like all about Bitcoin scams um, or weight loss, you know, scams or that sort of thing. So I don't know. Listen, these people are, are, uh, entrepreneurial, I guess you could say, and they're trying to figure out a way to make a buck. Um, but they're doing so, you know, obviously at the detriment of the user experience and the brands and, um, you know, we're, we're here to help. And we just want to make sure that, uh, you know, everybody has a safe, uh, you know, and, and profitable experience while they're on the internet. Yeah, that makes sense. And so that's, um, the ads one sounds like a big one that you have focused towards, um, yeah. the publishers. What is this kind of new product that you guys have released for e-commerce and what does that like world look like? So this is super cool. We, our company's been around about three years. Um, and, uh, you know, so this ads business has like really evolved and we now protect, you know, something like 8 million sites per month and, you know, like billions and billions of, of ad impressions, uh, you know, every, every day. Um, this business has exploded. We're at mass, we're at, you know, scale. Um, and, what we started to see, what was interesting in our ads business is everything is deterministic, meaning we know that that impression was malicious and here's why. And we can walk it back in every instance to like, here, here's the smoking gun, as we call it, of why this thing was bad. Mm -hmm. And um, what we started to see were some shady type of uh, threats coming through 
that we're kind of like, well, this looks weird. It doesn't have the same uh, value chain. Like in the ads ecosystem, you could point back to like, okay, here was the supply side platform. Here was the ad server. Here was, you know, where the image was hosted. Here's the DSP or the demand side platform. Like we could call out everybody in the value chain. And we started to see threats where we didn't have that type of granularity. Um, when we started to kind of do more R&D and more threat research, we started seeing that, you know, there's a bulk of these threats that were coming through compromised uh, Chrome extensions. And so we started kind of really zeroing in our focus on, on, on these Chrome extensions in particular. And um, some of our partners have both um, an ads monetization business and an e-commerce business. And so when we started really digging in and doing research, what we noticed was, and we talk about this ads business as the, you know, uh, malicious, like that's where malicious threats are. Mm -hmm. In when we started going deeper on this other side, we started to see that there was like untrusted JavaScript execution, execution running. So malicious JavaScript, untrusted JavaScript, JavaScript, the difference, um, malicious known bad actor, shady stuff, like things that you don't want happening on your site. Mm -hmm. Untrusted is, uh, nobody really gave that permission to execute on that website. And it's not really doing something that's malicious, but you know, if the site owner had its way, would they really want that happening? And so when we started doing more R and D and digging down this path, what we noticed was there's this whole class of browser extensions that were actually doing similar style harm to, to e-commerce websites as this malicious stuff was doing on the ad side. And the category that we put them in is this, call it like these promo code or these coupon discount extensions. Folks like Honey, Wikibuy, Rakuten, Retail Me Not, like you name it, there's, there's probably like 50 of them. And um, are you a user of any of these, Jake? Uh, I used Honey for a period of time. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, I, I've, I've, I don't anymore because it annoyed the hell out of me, but uh, cool. I did for a period. <laughs> so, you gave, so for a period, you gave them full license to everything that was happening on your computer, all your data. They knew exactly where you were going every day. Um, not very cool, right? Yeah, and so not cool. <laughs> I, I wouldn't, and again, you go, is it malicious? Well, you know what? You as the user actually said, I'm okay with all this. Mm -hmm. I want to discount that badly. I'm willing to give up the entire flow of all of my data just because they might get me a discount. Okay. And so what we started to see on these uh, e-commerce merchants websites, because we started partnering with folks and doing, you know, live traffic research, which is kind of how our business started uh, on the ad side. Um, we started to see that these extensions were actually doing quite a bit of harm to the website. Um, we started seeing that, um, you know, obviously they have pretty destructive capabilities to your cart value. So, you know, I, I tell people who are in, in the industry, like, you know, if you want to learn what your consumers experience when they go to your website, you should be downloading all these things and really experiencing yourself as a consumer. Um, you know, understand what happens when people come to your site and how are they experiencing your site. And so I have all of these extensions on my computer. And, uh, and so I would go to a website and literally like with a click of a button, I'm saving 30%. I'm saving 50%. Um, that's, you know, and so like for our first gut was, wow, like it's pretty destructive. Like, is it incremental or is it like, you know, a base purchaser who you're now just like giving them, you know, 30% off a hundred dollar order. Um, I know the margins in e-commerce are pretty tight because you're producing a tangible good and you're holding inventory and you've got to ship it and all these sort of things. And then you got to promote it and get people to come and buy it to be able to just throw away 30% of your revenue with a 
click of a button, that seems a little crazy. And so, um, and not to mention when you do that, then you're also actually giving them, uh, you know, a, an affiliate fee because mm-hmm. quite frankly, they're saying, Hey, you know, the only reason that person bought was because I got them to purchase. Um, so that's, you know, we built this product. It's called clean cart. Um, if you're an e-commerce merchant, you should check it out. Uh, you can go to block coupon extensions.com. Uh, that's, you know, a, a URL that will take you to our website. You can find it on clean.io. And, um, and yeah, we're giving uh, merchants the tools that we think that they need and deserve to block all of these harmful extensions from destroying your user experience and your revenue. Um, and so far, we're pretty early days. Um, we got about 35 merchants at this stage that are using our software and, and delivering a big difference to them and, and actually giving those controls back to these websites that they've never been, they've never had the ability to do. So we like, we see it very similar. You know, we're a cybersecurity company and cybersecurity companies go and solve problems in verticals. And so for us, like that first vertical that we went and cut our teeth in was this advertising technology ecosystem. And so now we've kind of taken it to that, uh, to this e-commerce ecosystem. Um, same sort of solution, right? Like solving for the user experience, solving for revenue, solving for margins. Um, and, you know, we're super excited about what we're doing and, you know, getting great feedback from merchants. Love that. And, and so I'm curious um, with these, like these different things, I don't know if it's different, varies based on product, but, you know, what does your revenue model look like on this? Is this, you know, dependent on traffic? Is this dependent on like how much, you know, malicious behavior you do or like how much revenue you kind of like, I don't know there's like different ways you could look at it, but I'm curious, how have you guys set up your revenue model for the business? Yeah. So our model is pretty simple and it's the same for both businesses, relatively speaking, obviously there are different metrics, but mm-hmm. uh, in our ads business, it's all about, you know, the, the number of impressions we protect, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's scale and volume and bucket driven, right? So the more volume you have, uh, the more money you're going to spend, but like, obviously there's economies of scale that come down as you hit these, you know, higher volumes and, and it's going to be the same thing. Like we're actually in closed beta right now and it's free. So if anybody wants to try it right now, and here we are, I guess it's like the last week of January. So I don't know when the podcast is going to uh, roll out there, but um, you know, uh, right now we're free um, because we're like, we're looking to partner with folks deeply in the early days to build the use cases, to build, you know, understand their problems. Um, it's the same thing that we did in the ads ecosystem when we, when we started there, we did it for free. We learned a lot. Um, and uh, you know, and we just kind of like iterated on the product based on real customer feedback. And so that's what we're doing right now, but um, we're building out the pricing models and not complete yet, but um, we do believe that the model should be such a no brainer that it's like, you're crazy to not have this protection on your website. And that mm-hmm. like, you know, that there like the ROI would be exponentially, you know, higher than what your actual cost is to, to put the service on almost like an insurance policy, right? Like, you know, and, and you mentioned this blog post that I wrote yesterday, um, you know, because uh, we just published it yesterday, which is um, I went to a website this past weekend and uh, I threw some things in my cart and I went to checkout and literally uh, Wikibuy, which is owned by Capital One. And by the way, these extensions are owned by some of the biggest companies on the planet. So let's not mm-hmm. forget that. They're very well resourced. <laughs> PayPal owns Honey. PayPal paid four and a half billion dollars for Honey. Um, So they're kind of pot committed on that one. They're going to try and make sure that one works. Um, We're going to try and make sure it doesn't. Um, But um, I'm on this website and uh, I get to check out and I think I bought like a $39 or $49 shirt. I was like, it's a cool shirt. Um, Wikibuy pops up and applies a coupon code. Uh, It was called FA Holiday 75. 
I remember it obviously because it left an impact on me and it saved me $75. It brought my cart from $49 down to zero. All I had to do was pay shipping. Um, and I thought it was too good to be true. I was like, there's no way they'll let this transaction complete. There's no, like something will have to pop. And so I put my credit card information in and guess what? It completed. And guess what? I got my UPS confirmation. Guess what? It shipped. Um, it's $10. I got this thing for $10 and I'm not proud of it. I'm doing market research. And by the way, I'm going to send it back. So I'll return it to the merchant. And, and like, I don't, I don't want the discount because quite frankly, the discount wasn't intended for me. We believe that merchants should have a discount strategy, but we believe that like, I don't know, that probably wasn't intended for me. The mm -hmm. same way if it was uh, military 50, guess what? I'm Canadian, never held a gun in my life. Um, you know, like, I don't think I'm a military guy and nor do I, am I deserving of a military discount? Some people are, and we should honor them for their service and they deserve to get that discount. So, you know, I, I, I think it's important to say that like we are pro discount. We think people like, you know, when used correctly, love it. I think merchants need to have a, a, you know, a discounting strategy or a way to drive traffic and drive consumers to their website. But we just don't believe that like automation should, and, and software and automation should allow their margins to be destroyed. Probably the same way the music industry like didn't love Napster. Like users were like, shit, love Napster. Um, <laughs> you know, like the record labels, not so much. Um, so yeah, so I think we, we've got a similar kind of, I would say like David versus Goliath battle that I think we're going to go through in this ecosystem. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we're yeah. in round one, round one, you know, I love it. So I want to dive in uh, really quickly and dive into the background here of like, how did this actually begin though? Cause like you're in like a super niche space. Sounds like you came from this, but like, what, what was this? How did the clean.io, like, how did you this actually go about starting this whole company up? Yeah. So, uh, super cool. We have five founders and the awesome part is, is I'm not one of them. Um, <laughs> you know, we, uh, all five of the founders really had deep expertise in what I would call like the ad tech ecosystem. Um, you know, two of the uh, founders actually worked with me at AOL. Um, uh, my company was acquired by AOL and, um, and so that's how I got to know these two founders. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and so I lived the problem in my career. Um, so I was very well aware of the problem, but I wasn't aware that these guys were building this company called Clean Creative at the time. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the other guys is a serial coder, our CTO. He's just like a, a serial hacker. Like he loves, you know, just kind of like digging in and solving big meaty tech problems. Uh, and then two of the other folks are brothers uh, who have been in ad tech for a long time. Um, these guys, uh, somehow they were all going out to solve the ad tech uh, malvertising problem independently. And like, it was almost like fate that they all kind of connected and said like, oh, you're solving it. Oh, you think you're solving it. Oh, you've got this approach. Why don't the five of us just get together and like gin this thing up together and, and get it to market. And that was on a, in October of 17. So like a little more than three years ago. And, you know, these guys went and just started kicking the tires. They met with a couple publishers and said, you know, hey, do you have the problem? And they're like, yep. Uh, have you tried any of the solutions in the market? And they're like, yep. Um, and so like, would you be interested in trying something new and different that we think solves the problem better? Yep. So they just, you know, they kind of like rallied around and built an MVP and um, got traction very quickly. Like they literally had product market fit almost with customer one. 
And so by the time I ran into these guys, it was about a year after they had started, you know, writing code. And I went out for lunch with two of them and they were like, Hey, uh, we're working on this thing. Um, what do you think of it? And I was like, I, I think it's super cool. It was a huge problem for me. Um, and I wasn't working at the time. I'd actually taken some time off and, and, you know, tried to recharge the batteries. And, uh, I said to them, Hey, could I like be an intern? Like, could I come and hang out and like learn what you're doing and then like peel back the onion and like, see, is it really like, do they really, have they really solved this thing? Uh, and about two weeks in uh, to being their intern, um, I was like, guys, can I have the keys? It's like, I really want to go and do this. Like, I want to go and build this into a great big company. And what was cool is that like, they had built this thing for this ecosystem. And when I say this, I mean the ad tech ecosystem, but the vision was always to build this, you know, larger umbrella of JavaScript protection because that's what we're doing. We're protecting sites from harmful or malicious or untrusted JavaScript. And so, you know, it was kind of like the vision like started with that. And then we've kind of just, you know, snowballed and, uh, you know, like, again, like, I think maybe I was like the seventh person. So there was like five founders and like one or two other folks that were kind of building this thing. Um, and, uh, you know, we now 45 ish people, um, building, you know, having fun, got like the right crew together. You know, it's kind of like, uh, we brought some people together from our past careers and, uh, you know, we're, we're having a blast. Love that intern to CEO. Uh, that's pretty, uh, pretty, pretty good trajectory there. Uh, it's fun. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah. and it's just a super fantastic growth. And I'm, I'm curious, like, um, how has that been, I guess, being um, not a founder, but then coming in as a CEO? I know that that's some, so many times like the founder role is like this um, so much thing tied with the vision. But for you to kind of come in, were these guys kind of like all techies that weren't as interested in the business world of it? Or like, how did that kind of dynamic, how's that played out? No, you know, it, it, it was, I mean, to be honest with you, it feels like a, 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 the perfect marriage. Like, these guys are all brilliant. Like, like I, I feel so blessed like that, that I've got like, you know, five founders that each of them very different from each other, but very complimentary. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like they all fit really well together. And um, now like they're humble guys. And I think they're like, Hey, listen, um, I, I don't like maybe like I, we use the phrase like best available athlete. Like when, you know, like when you've got available athletes, you kind of like figure out how do you get them on the team? Um, and I think like I was an available athlete. I was, you know, on the sidelines and I was going to pick my next gig at some point. And this was a great opportunity to join, you know, something that was already like the, the engine was already going, like we already had revenue, like we already had real customers. And it was really like, we just need to throw gas on the fire. For me, it was the perfect fit for, for like what I wanted and, you know, where I wanted to go and, and plant myself. Um, but I think there's a humility from these guys. And there's also just like a, you know, let's, let's like, they thought big, they weren't like, Oh my God, we're going to bring in somebody and he's going to go and send this thing sideways. Uh, and they're all, you know, very much involved. Um, you know, um, you know, three of them don't work here. Two of them work here. Um, but the three that don't work here are obviously very, uh, you know, they're deeply invested in our success, which is super cool, right? So they want to, you know, they want to help make it bigger and better and uh, put their fingerprints on it still. Nice. I love that. Um, that's amazing. And so I'm curious, you know, for you guys with kind of like, you know, you're a few years in, you're really starting to hit that traction. It looks like getting rapid growth. You know, what does success mm -hmm. look like for you guys 12 months from now? What does a win look like that for that? I mean, 12 months from now, um, 
Well, if you, if we had done this interview a year ago, uh, 12 months from now would have been, uh, Hey, we've, uh, you know, got product market fit, uh, in, in ad tech, we've gone and raised money, which we did. We raised money during COVID by the way, which was like, is another incredible story. Um, <laughs> uh, and we survived this, the pandemic, right? Like the, like last year and we didn't survive, like we thrived, we are up and to the right. So things are going very well. 12 months from now, um, listen, this clean cart product is really just coming out of the gates. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd love to see a thousand customers using our software. Mm -hmm. Like if I were to put the stake in the ground, that's like a thousand customers that are like, my God, I love what you guys are doing. And you're, you know, my business is better off with you guys in it. Um, and you know, the, the ad tech business obviously still continuing to grow. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I want to see these, you know, like both of these business lines just continue to, to rapidly increase. And, you know, I think if all, if all goes right, we're probably going to be out trying to figure out how we raise even more capital to go even bigger. So that, that to me is like the 12 month plan. Nice. I love that. That is awesome to hear. Um, cool. So as we wrap up, I got one other final question that I always like to end on is, you know, um, if you were to go back, say five years, you know, before you jumped in, joined this company, um, what advice would you give to your younger self, like in your journey, if you were to go back five years and, uh, and give yourself some advice about your, you know, your just entrepreneurial path? You know, uh, I think that the cool part for me, when we raised money, I met with a, a whole bunch of VCs and, um, I'm 48. So, uh, you know, I've been around the block. I've seen a few movies. I've been a bunch, part of a bunch of startups, I still don't know everything. So I'm, I'm humble enough that like, I know that like, I'll probably fall on my face 10 more times, hopefully never, you know, do the same thing wrong uh, and learn from our mistakes. Um, but I just, I, I really believe in, uh, you know, like being focused and being patient. And uh, at a startup, patience is hard, right? Because everyone's impatient. You want to move faster. You want to like, you want to jump that next hurdle. You want to, you know, get the next hundred customers on your platform. And I think um, my younger self probably was a lot more impatient, um, probably a lot more, uh, you know, ADHD, probably a lot more, uh, you know, like a shiny object with a flashlight, like, oh, over there, a squirrel. Um, so I think just, you know, being focused and being patient is, um, I think, the biggest thing I've learned over the last, you know, call it five years in, and I think it, it really bodes well in, in a startup because, um, you know, I think it's very easy to become unfocused. It's very easy to try and be everything to everyone. Um, I, I posted a, a, a picture from my daughter's room um, that hangs, uh, you know, on her wall. Uh, she's 14 and it says, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. And I think those are words that we all, everybody who's working in a startup, even big companies, you should live by those words because, you know, you, you kind of want to do everything and, you know, focus is, focus is a weapon. Nice. I love it. Phenomenal advice that I've, uh, I feel like that would be great advice for my younger self as well as I'm, I feel like I'm starting to just learn those lessons, but I had a lot of years, a shiny object. So. <laughs> I mean, it's hard, right? Um, yeah. But you know, like I think, um, and I think that's, listen, the, the, if you were to ask me why were the folks at clean like successful long before I got here, um, they used focus as a weapon. Like when they were figuring out what to build, it's, it's too easy to go to your customers and say, um, of this list of 10 things, uh, which ones do you want? Because the answer that they're going to give you, all of them. 
right? Mm -hmm. And they're going to say like, yeah, of course I want all those things. But they, they deeply forced these customers to prioritize because they're like, we can't build everything. And they launched, they actually launched this product without a dashboard. And if you think about it, like, you know, would a website want to know what's going on on their site with a dashboard, some visualization that tells them everything's okay? Of course. But you know what? They launched without a dashboard because they focused and they built the best damn product that everyone would tell their friends about. And we didn't even have marketing. We haven't had marketing in our first two and a half years of our company. And it was all, all of our investment went into product and just laser focused on building the best product that people would tell their friends about. So, you know, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how they used focus as a weapon, because I think that, you know, that's become part of our culture. And I think that's important. Nice. I love that. Well, Matt, thank you for coming on here. Amazing things you shared here. Um, if anyone wants to go find out more about you or about clean.io online, where's the best place to go to find all of you? Awesome. Yeah. I mean, Jake, tell folks they can connect with me at, at LinkedIn. Obviously, uh, Matt Gillis, uh, you'll find me there. Um, if you want to send me an email, Matt, M-A-T-T at clean.io, uh, would love to hear from you. Um, if you're an e-commerce merchant or if you're a publisher, if, if we can help you, please reach out. Uh, if you're another entrepreneur and you just want to spitball ideas, like I love to talk to other entrepreneurs all the time. I think we can all make everybody and each other better um, by sharing, you know, the challenges that we all face. And so, um, you know, I tend to talk to a lot of entrepreneurs who are, you know, facing the same or similar challenges that I either have currently or I have had in my past. So uh, misery loves company. So yeah, reach out. We'd love to hear from you guys. Awesome. Thank you for coming on the show. Awesome, Jake. Take care, man. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. You can see the show notes and more links from today's episode at leadersofb2b.com.